Welcome everybody to Talk Man City. My name is Patrick Donahue, and in this episode, we're going to be covering two games. We've got RB Leipzig and the game against Burnley in the FA Cup, both of which were amazing in demolition derbies and what we can really do with Erling and this team. So let's get into it. All right, everybody, welcome back to the next episode of the podcast. As I mentioned in the intro, we are going to be covering two games today. Uh, we had the Champions League match against Leipzig and then an FA Cup match uh, against Burnley, both of which were very fun watches, and I will never complain about us scoring goals because it's always fun when we score a lot. But before we get into it, uh, top of the show plugs, I guess, whatever, uh, feel free to share this episode wherever you're listening at. Also, if you want to interact with me or ask any questions about the show or content on the show, you can fo uh, follow the podcast at Talkman City Pod on Twitter. It's probably the best way the place to find me. It's where I'm most active anyways. But with that, let's kind of dive right in. And how do we feel after those two games? I know for me personally, I really enjoyed watching those two games over, uh, against Burnley and Leipzig. Uh, I will never complain when we're scoring, what is it, uh, it was 7 against uh, Leipzig and 6 against Burnley, 13 goals uh, over 2 matches. I'm never going to complain when we get to see that. Against good opposition too. Uh, Leipzig more than Burnley, to be honest, but a quick shout out to Vincent Company over at Burnley. It was great having him back at the Etihad, and uh, he's doing wonders with that team. We're going to see him in the Premier League next year. Unfortunately, it didn't quite go the way he probably wanted it to for his team at the time. Um, but with we'll get into that a bit later in the episode. But to start, I want to I want to recap the Leipzig match where we won seven nothing. Obviously, we're on our way to the quarterfinal finals where we drew Bayern Munich. I'm personally uh, really excited uh, the opportunity to play Bayern. Uh, as many of you know, uh, last year we had the opportunity to potentially get them in our Champions League draw or our way to the final. Um, and I had said at the time, I, I want Bayern. I want Bayern, Bayern early because I want to test our skills. I really think we can do it. Those big matches were against two European titans. I mean, at this point, well, I know we don't have the trophies to back it up, but we're always in the count or we're always in the, um, we're always in the conversation of potential winners of the Champions League every year. So seeing these two teams go at it, that really excites me. Uh, it almost excites me more than watching like some lower division team that I know is going to sit back. It's a game that I am not fully confident in us winning, and that's kind of what excites me about it. Is It's just going to be two giants, and the football fan in me, obviously I want, as a City fan in me, wants City to win and probably get an easy draw so we can go through. I want us to win that trophy, but the football fan in me, wants to see Man City versus Bayern play it out and see who's the best. So I'm really looking forward to that draw. Uh, I'll get into my prediction at the end of the show. But the first note I want to talk about in this Leipzig match is where else can we start except Heinrich Laporte not being in the lineup. I mean, when is he going to get some game time? When is he on his way out of City? Uh, oh, I'm just kidding. I'm, of course, talking about Erling Haaland and his five goals in the Champions League. What a performance from this man, and we're going to double this up with uh, the Burnley Burnley match as well, where he scored a hat-trick. I mean, this guy's back to scoring for fun at this point, and long may it continue. Um, I think, obviously, there was a lot of talk around him. Did he choose the right team, or 
Does Man City know how to play with Erling Holland? I I will even admit there's there's some tweets out there during kind of the rough patch we had during this season where I was questioning. We do not know how to play with Erling Holland because he was making run after run. We weren't finding him. We weren't linking up with him. You could see the frustration on his face. And uh, it was back when the team just wasn't really firing. But obviously, and thankfully, I will say that I was wrong with that tweet. Uh, Of course, this team knows how to play with Erling Holland, And of course, Holland has picked the correct team. Uh, With the five goals that he scored in the Champions League, obviously he joins the likes of Lionel Messi and what was the other player? Sorry, I'm just pulling it up right here. Uh, Luis Adriano, uh, with the only, there's only been three players that scored five goals in the Champions League, and he's up there with the greatest footballer of all time, Lionel Messi, and rightfully so. I mean, yes, some of his goals are tap-ins. You know, the third one that he scored, is it going over the line? Did he kind of steal it from Ruben Diaz? Possibly, maybe, but at the time, in the heat of the moment, he probably thinks it's going out. Did, you know... Did he get a little lucky with the penalty call? More on that in a minute, but yes is the answer. Um, But overall, the guy's scoring for fun. He always seems to be in the right place and anticipate where that ball is going to land so that he can put it in the back of the net. Um, The the second goal he scored, uh, yes, Kevin De Bruyne, he has a worldy shot go off the crossbar. Which that shot, by the way, I want to tell you how difficult that is to pull off. He's got two center backs closing him down and somehow finds a place to, on his left foot, you know, curl it, just hitting the crossbar. Holland's anticipating it and leaps majestically and heads it into the back of the net. You have to be there anticipating that. And all the goals he scored that night, it's all about anticipation. And I want to say that it's luck, and I want to say that it's, you know... Oh, it just fell to him just right. But, you know, the more I watch it back and the more I watch his movements and to bring in the Burnley game real quick, the goal he scored for his hat-trick in that game where it comes off the post after Foden shoots, he's the only one anticipating those balls landing there so that he can he can have the easy goal. And I, I don't like, oh, he just scores tap-ins. Look, you have to make the run and you have to create the space for yourself to give those tap-ins uh, and, and make them available. So I think his scoring ability is amazing, and I hope this continues uh, long through the rest of the season, essentially. The second point I want to talk about, and it's back at the penalty call, and that is you got to get a little bit lucky in the Champions League. Now, the scoring started with a penalty uh, given off a handball, which is... It was a very hard. If it would have been called against City, it was a very harsh handball call. Uh, the guy, I forget his his name, uh, the defender that jumped to to get it, but he rises and and if anybody anybody has played, y'all know when you jump high, you throw your arms out for balance. And unfortunately, as Rodri heads the ball, it just nicks him on his his wrist, and it's very unintentional. It's a very light handball call, but you know what? We've had a lot of calls go against us in the Champions League. Tottenham comes to mind in the semifinals, I believe. Yeah, Tottenham in the semifinals when we won it in the last minute, but they call handball on Jesus because it just brushes his arm. I'm not going to cry tears over us getting lucky in the Champions League. And look, it's a knockout competition. In a knockout competition, 
anything can happen, anything can go either way, and I, I really do believe if you want to win the Champions League and you want to be successful in it, you got to get a little bit lucky, whether that be through an easy draw or whether that be through a call just kind of going your way or how, how, whether it be the keeper parries a ball out to your striker and he knocks it in for five goals. Whatever that looks like, you got to get a little lucky in the Champions League. So I'm going to take it because we've had our fair share of grief and despair at calls not going our way. At any time that happens, uh, I'm I'm not going to complain when it does. And I think if we look back at the kings of Europe, Real Madrid, uh, we'll probably find that they had a few calls go their way or they had a few light uh, penalties also or they got an easy draw or an easy path to the final, whatever the case may be. That's not discrediting what Real Madrid has done in the Champions League. It's just more reinforcing the point. Um. Oh, geez, there's my phone playing with the signal. The third point I wanted to make is uh, Kevin De Bruyne. That's it. That's the only point. Uh, if you've listened to the show for any time, you know he's my favorite player. I've probably said that in the last episode, and I will continue to say that. The man, in my opinion had a 10 out of 10 in performance. I know he doesn't quite have the goals or maybe the assists to back up uh, his performance of a 10 out of 10, but that performance against Leipzig was a 10 out of 10. He was absolutely everywhere. He was back to his scintillating best. The crosses he put in and, and some of the through balls that he played for Holland or Foden or Grealish or anybody on that field were some of the greatest I, I've ever seen him make. And, I mean, he caps it all off with a final goal to make it 7-0, where he does what only KDB can do. He steps up, and in the minute Mahrez passes him that ball, I knew, you knew, every City fan, every football fan in the world who was watching that game knew exactly what was going to happen because you saw him take a pause, put it out in front of him, and just score a worldie from 30 yards out. And then he stands there, arms raised, no celebration as a king should do, knowing that he's just done his job and silenced the entire world. And I say that because there was comments even in the city community, uh, among pundits, even Pep himself had said, Kev needs to get back to his basic basics and um, you know he's not playing his best. And I think we can all admit, has he been at his best? Has he been that good as he was that night all season? No, but never, ever, ever. This happened. This has happened the last three seasons. As everybody starts questioning Kev when the team's suffering. When the team's suffering, Kev tries to do it all himself and tries to force things. And when Kev's trying to force things, it doesn't quite work out. He doesn't. It. It doesn't look as beautiful as we know it can look when he's at his best. So, my comment on that is never, ever, ever count this man out. He will be he will go down as one of the greatest midfielders, not just in the Premier League, but of all time. And I'll stand on that. I will live and die by that. We're gonna look back when he's done playing, and he is going to be remembered as one of the greats. He's he's gonna be up there with your Zidane's and your Henri's. I'd put him up there with your Ronaldo's and Messi's, but you know, I'm biased. In no way am I saying he's Messi, but he could definitely live up there with Ronaldo. No problem. He is that good 
I've never seen a player play as well or as complete. He's got assists. He's got strength. He's had speed. Not lightning quick, but he's had speed. He can do things with the football that I didn't think were possible, and he does it all so naturally. He's a big game player. He comes up when he needs to, and I, I just hope he finishes career his career at City and we continue seeing the best of him. And thank you, Kev, for silencing the world with that goal and knowing exactly what you did in that performance. Uh, the last point I want to make about the Leipzig game is actually not football-related, but has to do with one of the Leipzig players, and that's Willie Orban. Uh, I heard one of the commentators say during the match he'd basically not missed, missed any game for Leipzig during their Bundesliga campaign or their Champions League campaign. I think it was for the last two years. Uh, it might have just been for the season. I, I didn't pick up on it fully, but the reason he missed out was because he had donated some stem cells for, he's on the donation list, I guess, over in Germany, but he donated his stem cells to help um, be a potential recipient of them that he matched with um, in a very life-saving and um, wholesome, I guess, wholesome act. So I wanted to shout that out. Shout out to him. Uh, there's a lot of things in football that are much bigger than football, and that's, to me, one of them. So shout out to uh, Willie Or. Orban, and uh, I think this is a very selfless act and really cool, so I wanted to make sure I shot that out. With that, that kind of wraps up my recap of the Leipzig match. Uh, oh, one last point. I know we won, but there was this one uh, little time where Edison came rushing out, and personally, I think it probably should have been a card and a free kick, but it turns out he got the ball. Again, we got a little lucky. You got to have that in the Champions League, but my overthought is, what the fuck is he doing? Ederson doing crazy Ederson things. He scares me in goal sometimes, and I think it's just something we're going to have to live with because we're not going to get any new keeper anytime soon, but uh, I would really prefer a better stop shot, uh, shot stopper uh, and someone who's not going to do crazy stuff like that. But then again, Ederson can also ping a ball 70 yards and assist at least once or twice a, a season, so you give and take, I suppose. But moving on uh, to the Burnley match, uh, again, we had Erling Holland score another hat-trick, and the goals he scored were a lot less tap-in, so I think silencing critics there. Obviously, we saw the through ball um, from Alvarez, we saw the goal, the beautiful ball from Phil Foden, and then, oh yeah, he had the rebound with Foden's shot as well. So another great performance from Erling Holland. I've already covered him in the Leipzig match, so I won't harp too much on him. But I will say uh, the second goal he scored, n number one, the ball from Phil Foden is just absolutely amazing. It's pure KDB cross and, and beautiful. But how satisfying is it for us to have a striker that when that ball comes in, he knows exactly how to move his body and open it up and put it past the keeper. Lovely stuff. Want to see more of it. Can't wait to see more of it uh, as the season continues and going into next year. But the first point I wanted to make is Alvarez is needed in this city team. Um, I love Julian Alvarez. I'm so happy that his contract's extended and he got his game time that uh, was probably negotiated in his contract. Obviously, he's here till 2028, ruling out any rumors of him going to Spain or getting poached by some other European team. We'll talk about game time. And look, Alvarez is going to be needed. 
we don't know how long Erling Holland's going to be here. We, you know, I, I would guess and have said before that I think it's probably three or four years. I hope it's longer. He just strikes me as a player, and maybe it's a city cynicism in me, but he strikes me as a player that's going to be moved on um, relatively, not quickly, but he's going to, I don't think he's going to spend 10 years here. And with that, you know, we've got, we've got Alvarez in there ready to replace him, learning from him every day. But more than that, I think we need to find a way to incorporate Alvarez and Holland in the same team. And that first goal uh, that Holland scores demonstrates why. Holland's really good at making that run in behind. And minus Gundogan, maybe Kev. Kev, probably Kev for sure. I think Alvarez is the one player that understands and can see that run happening and, and knows when to play it. First of all, whenever they play together, they end up scoring goals. And I think there's a couple reasons for this. They understand each other. They know what runs that they need to make as strikers. So they kind of know where to place the ball. Secondly, Erling Haaland is such a fear factor, such a... Like people, people, when he's in the lineup, he draws defenders to him, which generally frees up space for our midfielders uh, most of the time because we don't play with Alvarez. But when Alvarez is in there... Alvarez knows how to get in the opponent's box and put a ball in the back of the net, so it frees him up to do that. There's been often, uh, there's been a couple games this season that uh, I've seen Holland draw defenders away. Alvarez receives the ball, and Alvarez ends up being the one that scores the goals in those games. I think it's, I want to say it's um, um, Bournemouth uh, the, at the beginning of the season was like that. I can't remember the other one that I'm thinking of right now, but so they create space for each other, essentially, and allow the other one to operate. Um, as I mentioned, that that ball through to Holland for his first goal is is uh, the exact ball Erling Holland wants to get, and he can use his pace, get onto it, go one-on-one with the keeper, and generally he's going to put the ball in the back of the neck when he does that. Um, and then this, my point about drawing players away from Alvarez uh, that Holland does is demonstrated in Alvarez's first goal of the night, you know, first of all, the ball, the whole entire team movement of that goal is out of this world. And it only goes to show Kev is still the greatest midfielder in the Premier League. Currently that run he makes it through, through the defenders to put a ball across just for an easy tap in is something out of this world. It was such good football to watch. But beyond that, what I saw is Erling Holland draw three or four defenders to himself, as well as the defenders are trying to lock down Kev, Julian Alvarez slips into the space and is available for just a great ball delivery and easy tapping in the back of the net. He knows how to get into those spaces and can do those ghosting runs, very similar to how Gundogan plays. We've seen Gundogan all last season make ghosting runs to the back post, put in an easy tap-in. We saw it in the Villa game to win the title. Alvarez will do those instinctively. And then last thing about Alvarez is he creates chaos. He's a little working machine. He closes down. There's many times that there's many times that he maybe had an errant pass, gave the ball away, and I watched him chase that ball down, win it back, and uh, make up for his mistake, as it were. He presses teams in a way that I don't think Holland does or ever will. Just not quite his game style. They're they're two different strikers. And then last. 
I I just his work ethic alone. I almost said lastly again, but his work ethic alone is is reason to keep him around. I think he has the potential to be here a lot longer than Erling Holland, and we're gonna want his talent. And I, I maintain that had we not signed Erling Holland, Alvarez would be getting all the hype in the media for how good of a player. He, I mean, he's a world champion. He was critical in Argentina winning the World Cup this year. That alone would have made headlines as a possible Aguero regen had we not signed the big man himself. Uh, the second thing I wanted to cover, and it'll be quick because I don't think we need to harp on it too much, but I thought this was the first game that we saw Rico Lewis show his age, and that's okay. Um, you know, he's still super young. He's I think he's 18 still. Um, and some of the passes and decision-making that he made was not the best, in my opinion. I thought he put a lot of passes um, that were very inaccurate. They led to um, interceptions, not interceptions, yeah, interceptions and, and, you know, Burnley having a chance on target. I do think he made up for one of them where it wasn't Diaz with the wonder tackle. I, I know that one, but the... Um, the I think he gave the ball away and he chased it down and ended up doing this sliding tackle just outside the box to win it back. So made up for it, showed that worth work ethic. But I think it was the first game that I saw from him that I'm like, oh yeah, he's still a kid and is still a bit rough around the edges and needs to improve. All in all, I'm not too worried about it. He's been phenomenal for us this year. I hope we can bring the title home to him so he can get a Premier League medal. And uh, I hope we see that contract extension for him. Uh, here at least over the summer I'd love to see how he's going to develop and kind of step into that Phil Foden role I don't mean in terms of the position he'll play but in terms of a young kid coming up through the academy and um, you know being a part of the first team and, and really submitting himself saying I deserve this role because I'll work my ass off and I'm going to sit and bench one of the world's best right backs in Yao Cancelo lovely stuff lovely story you love to see it, and he's so excited every time he scores. Or every time he scores. Every time he sees a score, he's he's like, you can see the boy in him just being excited that, you know, his team's scoring, and, and you love to see that. As a sidebar, um, it's not my third and last point, but as a sidebar to that, back to Erling Holland. One thing I love about Holland that gives me hope that he'll stay around is uh, when I watch just him off the ball or – you know, maybe we're struggling. The first the first thirty minutes of that game, I think we really we really struggled to create stuff. Maybe it was a system thing. Uh, maybe we Burnley was very well disciplined in putting the press on it. They had the better chances in the first thirty minutes, I thought. But you see Holland when we score. You see Holland when the team's doing well. Be excited for it. Like he's jumping up and down. He's raising his hands. He celebrates with his teammates. I think overall he's just a good dude to have around the dressing room as well. And the flip side of that is there's one play where I think he thought Mahrez should have done better in the press and or he was upset at how easily Burnley had played out from the back to beat our press and he was just really having a go at Mahrez. And you love to see that too. That's what you want, a, a, a passionate player that's going to be somewhat of a leader and grab the attacking players by the so on quote-unquote scruff of the neck and say you need to do your job so that we can win this game that's exactly what we have in my next point in Ruben Diaz in the defense 
Ruben Diaz, in my opinion, has completely changed his back line. Things have been so much more assured since he's come in. I feel confident with him there. I already mentioned the wonder tackle that he made, and we've seen him made that time and time again. He never gives up defensively. He knows how to organize the defense, and generally what that leads to is I want him to be the camp captain of this football club. I know we vote on it, or not we, the fans, but the players vote on it at the start of the season. And I know that people like Gundawan and Kev, look, they have seniority at the club, so maybe that's why people have chosen them. But if anybody looking at it from the outside looking in can tell you that Ruben Diaz is going to be the future captain of this club, I know he's young, and I know sometimes he doesn't always get it right, but that man is a leader of men, and we need to give him the captain's armband starting next season. If it were up to me, he would have it already. I, I wouldn't, you know, I, I hate to strip people of their captaincy, but uh, we don't know if Gundawan's going to be here next year. So, you know, it might be worth giving it to somebody that we are knows wants to be here and is going to be here going into the foreseeable future. But with that, that is the end of this episode. I appreciate you all sticking around with me and hanging out to hear my thoughts on the last two matches. There won't be an episode in the next two weeks. Obviously, we're on international break, so assuming we don't hear any crazy transfer news or anything like that, maybe a potential Jude Bellingham coming. If that gets announced randomly, then I'll be doing an episode about that. But we'll be off until we're back. And I think coming up we have... Let's see. I believe we have Liverpool right after the break, which is a huge game for us. I hate playing Liverpool. I always hate playing them. They're the worst team to watch. I just I dislike playing them so much because they always seem they can be doing poor and then they'll beat us 1-0. But we have them at home, which is good. It's uh, It takes away from the Anfield effect for whatever it's worth. They haven't been playing the best this year. And hopefully with Holland coming into form and the team kind of clicking over, we can do we can do uh get get the result against them. I think they're gonna come out and press us. I do think they're gonna score. Um so I'm gonna go for a prediction with let's go three one city in that match. And uh hopefully we pick up three points. We're getting down to the business end of the season, and I'm looking forward to it. I still am a little hesitant to say if we're going to win the title or not, but who knows? There's a lot of twists and turns upcoming. Arsenal, they've got some tough matches coming up as well, so I think it's uh, boiling up, boiling down to be an exciting title race at the end. And then obviously we still have the FA Cup, which if I had to guess, we're going to go through the final. Um, we got a pretty easy draw there. Might be a Derby final. More, I really hope it isn't because just Derby games are so hit and miss. But then finally, we have Bayern in the Champions League, so it's going to be an exciting time. I will be here for all of it. Thank you all for sticking around again. Share this episode on whatever platform you listen on. Leave us a review or whatever they have on your platform. And as always, you can find us uh, on Twitter at TalkManCityPod. Thanks for hanging out with us, guys, and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye.